Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're going to be talking with Sydney of the Love Connection Dog Rescue, which is a 501c3 foster-based rescue whose founders have been saving dogs and making loving matches for over 10 years. They take in all sizes, ages, and breeds of dogs and puppies and work to make lasting connections to families of all shapes and sizes. There is so much to love about this organization. They are on the newer side, but are doing huge things for rescue. And we're so honored that Sydney was able to come on today to discuss all things rescue from socialization to community relations to vacation fostering. Remember, if you do like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button. We are so ready to get into this. So let's get started. Hey there, Sydney. How are you? So good. How are you guys? Really wonderful. No complaints. We're so excited to get into your story a little bit and to hear a lot about what your rescue has been doing. Real quick though, I mean, so were you growing up like super into animal welfare or like human rights or justice or did you like just love puppies a lot or how did you get into animal rescue? You know, it's funny because I I listened to a couple of your episodes before and I knew this question was coming. And it's funny because I don't think of myself as a person that was like obsessed with animals, right? Or obsessed with, you know, the way I am now. I think I was a normal animal lover. I had dogs my entire life. You know, my mom had rescued before, you know, she drove to Oklahoma from Illinois to pick up some Cavaliers that were homeless and she has always had that fiend and drive to like really save. And it wasn't until I moved to Arizona for me that it was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. Because, you know, Illinois versus here in Arizona, for me, the population of dogs in shelters that are being put down is so high. Dogs that you see on the streets, so high. You see them in reservations. And I heard a number of how many dogs were getting put down every single month in Maricopa County alone. And I, it was like my world turned on its axis. And I realized like, wow, like this isn't something that I even really knew about. I was so blinded by everything. And then I heard this news and I was like, what? We have to do something. We have to do more. What can we do? And I just became this person that wanted to do everything all at one time. And I think that's what a lot of rescuers do, right? Something hits them hard and, you know, maybe they get into fostering somehow because of a friend or they find a dog on the side of the road and then they end up fostering it that way, or they get in touch with someone and they don't even realize what is going on in this community until you're a part of it. So I don't have the same story as most people, but I I would say, yeah, like as soon as I wasn't ignorant anymore, my world completely turned. I think that's so interesting. I mean, I think we've heard that from a few people too. It's almost like there are all these like sleeper cells out there. And as soon as like something happens to them, they like turn into like these amazing advocates because it is like the kind of thing where 
once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, and all of a sudden you see it everywhere. You're like, oh my gosh, how was I just living my life unaware when I'm seeing it? <laughs> it's like when you get a car or something, you, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Yeah. It's an incredible thing to hear too, because I think it shows the potential that really anyone can can turn into this kind of animal advocate as soon as they become really like aware of what's going on in their own community and what's happening and that it's not some like far off thing that used to happen. It's not in the past and it's not just an international problem or something. I completely agree. Absolutely. And I actually was really curious about this. And honestly, Sydney, I think we've talked about this before, but when you, when you think of like overcrowded shelters or states that have really big problems with animal welfare or, or, you know, homeless dogs, dogs on the street, injured dogs and things like that. I don't typically tend to think of Arizona as a, as a state. And again, that is my ignorance talking. I don't think of Arizona as a state that has that major issue, you know, in comparison to what you hear about Texas and Florida and, you know, all those other states, what are the kinds of, I guess, problems that you're seeing more so when it comes to animals that you're rescuing in Arizona? Like what, what cases do you see more often than not? Absolutely. Well, to start, I guess, would be there's so many rescues in Arizona and thank God, right? I think it has drastically helped the population. Even in the last couple of years, really the shelter population go down so much. But what you really see is are on the reservations, which, you know, I didn't, we didn't really have much of that in Illinois, like I mentioned, but here you see it a lot. And, you know, there could be thousands of dogs that are just kind of roaming these unreally populated areas. And a lot of them have never experienced love. A lot of them have never really been cared for by people. Maybe they'll get fed by a person or two throughout their life. And they know that, you know, maybe people aren't a danger, but there's so many dogs on the reservations here that, that we see a ton of that, but also you know, obviously the pit bull breed is vastly, I think it was thousands upon thousands of pit bulls were getting put down every day in Maricopa County. This was in 2016. That's when I heard the news, right? So again, I think the shelters, especially now with COVID happening, you know, the shelters are doing a lot better. There's a lot less dogs, but unfortunately there's still so many to save. And I'm so thankful that we live in a state that is so friendly to reservation dogs, does care about rescue and has so many rescues that are all on board. It's really such a blessing because we as a rescue don't feel like we're alone. There's so many amazing rescues in Arizona that we're in touch with and work together to make sure that these dogs are finding the proper advocates, right? So whether that's Parvo or there was a dog, she was a pit bull and we thought she was, everyone thought she was pregnant. And this was just two weeks ago. She was on the side of the road dying and everyone was like, okay, yeah, we got to pick her up. We got to pick her up. Follow your heart ended up taking her, but you know, everyone is so willing, so willing to take on whatever they can to help save these dogs. She ended up having a tumor because she wasn't spayed and she wasn't pregnant. So, you know, I just think the rescue community is in Arizona is just, I don't know. I'm biased, but I think it's the best. 
I think it's rare that we hear such rave reviews about rescues. I mean, certainly there are so many groups that have their connections and they they have their partnerships that they really value. But to hear like a region as a whole, like that they are animal rescue centric. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. And I didn't really know about it before. But again, now that I'm in it, (laughs) I see it so much more. And it's just it's awesome to see how how they work together to get everything done. Well, so I'm sensing a theme in what you're saying, though, it like with all of these stray dogs running around. And I mean, these ailments of animals because they didn't get spayed and neutered. Is that a big problem in the area? Um, Like spay and neuter initiatives, like trying to get a foothold there? Absolutely. Yeah. In general, we are all working on making free spay and neuter days an option. My mom and I are actually working on creating a clinic ourselves. I mean, there's so many things that we're definitely working on to make sure that these dogs are getting spayed. And of course, as a rescue, you know, whenever there's moms that, you know, even if we don't end up, they don't end up surrendering the mom, of course, we take on the mom and make sure that she does get spayed. So we want to make sure that every dog is, is properly taken care of with their vetting microchip. So even if they aren't a love connection dog specifically, we want to make sure that they, they have what they need to be successful. That's incredible. I know you touched on it a little bit here, but, and I know, I feel like the people I know in Arizona that I know personally, I feel like maybe you've had kind of a different time in COVID than some of us. Cause I feel like I know a lot of people that have been going there for vacation and, and doing some things. So how has COVID been going for you? I mean, it's been a whole year. So how, how did it go, I guess? Well, we can touch on the rescue specifically first. And I think this is pretty similar around the entire country, but I guess I can only speak for us. You know, the shelters were emptied. And despite, you know, all of the problems and like the issues of COVID that, that happened in 2020 through 2021, I think there was a lot of positives when it came to dogs, right? With people being home, people being bored, people wanting something to do. So there were ample fosters, ample people taking on new dogs, new puppies. I mean, the shelters were cleared. It was really an interesting time for everyone because it was like (laughs) when 2021 happened and people started going back to work, we were like, wait, why don't we have like a hundred right now. And we're like, wait, what, why isn't this puppy, right? Getting a foster immediately. I'm so confused. (laughs) And (laughs) so it was kind of a rude awakening when people started going back to work, but of course, you know, things are, are normalizing again, but, but during COVID it was, it was such a great time. Now we're just working on making sure that these dogs are socialized and getting the proper socialization, exposure, training that they need to be successful in daily life, not just COVID life, you know? Absolutely. And I I was wondering, um, and I don't know, I know this stalled for a lot of rescues and shelters, you know, they do their adoption events and, you know, their physical programs and things like that in the communities. Did that stop in 2020 for you guys? Did you move to virtual or, or kind of how did that, you know, go? So we definitely changed some policies. We did virtual home checks just to limit exposure. And we did a lot less 
at home meet and greets just out of respect for homes, because I know a lot of people were worried about those things. And there were some hurdles when it came to that. But because Arizona, and I think this is what you were alluding to before, because Arizona did not have strict policies when it came to wearing a mask and things like that, it was a lot easier to put on events without having so much. I mean, I know you guys are in California and my family's there and they were having such a hard time just going out to eat. Whereas us, you know, we didn't have that at all, really. And a lot of people, I think, were coming to visit Arizona too for vacation, New Year's Eve, et cetera. So we were very lucky in that aspect. I know a lot of rescues just decided to cancel events altogether and just do meet and greets or online, whatever. But, you know, we're very event heavy. We love having events. We have small businesses that we go to that we like to support. And like, we're going to be at Gordy's Goodies this weekend. So, you know, it made it a lot easier for us. Some of them are outside, like Queen Creek Marketplace is completely outside. So that made it a lot easier. So we definitely didn't stall when it came to that. We were very, very lucky with with who we were able to work with this past year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's like a difference in culture, but also, I mean, you guys have so much space in Arizona. So it's like, you probably were naturally socially distancing before all this. And even like, so you have the opportunity to have kind of like event spaces that are larger and more airy and stuff. Um, whereas maybe in like New York, everything yeah. is like crammed, like shoulder to shoulder. Right. <laughs> exactly. I could see how that would be an issue there, but yeah, we were definitely very lucky with our location as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, so I know, I know you were touching a little bit on socialization and how you're kind of working towards a lot of things. I know it, it sounds like that probably feeds right into exactly what your mission is all about as a rescue, really like setting these these relationships up for the best success possible. So I'm wondering if you can maybe get into the mission a little bit and and maybe what you're doing to socialize. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we are a relatively new rescue. Um, we've only been around for just over a year, maybe a year and a half by now. So our mission really is to, we, we always say love once a love connection dog, always a love connection dog. So we're not the type of rescue that's going to adopt out a dog and say, okay, bye. Good luck. You know, we really, <laughs> we really are very active and I'm sure there's a ton of other rescues that do this as well, but we're really active in their lives. We want, we want to make sure that, you know, if they're getting training consistently. We, we call them to make sure, you know, a weekend, two weeks in, Hey, how are they doing? You know, is there, you know, a trainer that we can recommend? Did you work on potty training? How's everything going? So we're very active in their life and we want to stay that way. I know we're still a relatively small rescue. So, you know, I say it now because it's easy, it's easy to do. But as we grow, I definitely want to have that small rescue feel where we can still do things like that and still, you know, know every dog by name and you know, know their story and love them deeply and continue to love them throughout their entire life. So that is kind of, I mean, I know it's the owner's mission as well, but that's really my focus um, within the rescue is making sure that we are a safe space for these, these adopters because owning a dog isn't easy. You know, there's so much that goes along with rescue, especially if you have a fear dog or a brand new puppy and you've never had a puppy before. You know, I never thought about 
vaccines. I knew I had to get them, but why, you know, what is, what are these things for? Like, and you don't think about it as a regular dog owner until you get into the nitty gritty of rescue. So I definitely, I love that we can be a resource still to the dogs, even after, you know, if they end up with, you know, kennel cough somehow, you know, let's provide Doxy. Like, let's just do the things that, that we should be doing anyway. And, and that's what I really love about our rescue because we're always thinking of the dog. We're always putting them first. You know, we actually, and I know Sydney knows this. We have a dog that was adopted out 10 months ago. The adopter actually fostered for us twice and she fostered actually more than twice, but she foster failed twice. And Luke was one of her foster fails. And a couple of months ago, she found out that he has congenital heart disease. So he has a five out of six heart murmur, which is really bad. He just turned a year on May 6th and he already has, you know, a death sentence. If he doesn't get the surgery, he, he won't live to two. So of course, you know, as soon as we heard the story and the adopter wasn't even looking for anything, she wasn't, you know, Hey, how can you help? It was, how can we help? What can we do? Luke deserves to live. So we would rather, you know, help our dogs and, and make sure that they're safe their entire life than just say, go home and good luck, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that's kind of our mission. Well, I think it's so important what you're saying too, because I mean, I know you're saying it's, it's like for the animal, but of course it's for the people as well. Um, and I know we're all about like this human animal bond and how heartbreaking it can be when someone is like looking at a medical bill and just being like, oh my gosh, like this is insurmountable. That's a heartbreaking thing to have to go through. And I'm sure more of us have gone through it than we'd like to say, because medical bills are very expensive. The vet bills are super expensive. Yes, they are. But I love it too, because I, I, I love the idea of like, once a love connection dog, always a love connection dog. And it, I like that it almost builds like a really good foundation for just a really good relationship, not only between, you know, that dog and their adoptive parent, but, you know, that adoptive parent and you guys and the dog and you guys, because it's inevitably things always pop up. So it's, it's just nice to know when you go to adopt a dog from you guys, that there's going to be a support system, whether it's for educational purposes, whether it's, hey, can you let me know what this vaccine is and if I need it, or hey, how can I go about, you know, trying to better this dog's life? This is what happened. So I, I like, not I like, I love that there's that support system there because it is really scary because things happen. Life happens. Dogs get sick and, and uh, you know, circumstances of arise and things like that. So I, I love that you have that foundation there that people can always come back or people can always ask for help because I think it's really intimidating sometimes when you don't feel you have that connection or have that person to go to. I agree. Yeah. There's something I want to ask you about and it is vacation fostering because that sounds like so much fun because it's like, okay, and I've said this before, like I hate commitment and I like when I have to sign a lease, like I get like cold sweats. Like <laughs> I love the idea of what a vacation foster is. Um, so maybe, can you go into that program? So we have two programs that are similar. We have the vacation foster, which is what you're talking about. And this is something that we've done before, but you know, we definitely want to push a little bit harder now that it's summertime because especially in Arizona, nobody, nobody stays at home in Arizona. 
it's not a thing. You don't want to be in hundred degree, 120 degree heat all the time. So we did this just to do a week at a time, two weeks at a time to make sure our dogs are still, you know, being taken care of. And we don't want to put stress on the foster. So that's an awesome, awesome way to, you know, have some dog love for a little while, or even just to try out fostering because fostering is a big commitment. You know, sometimes it's only three weeks, but sometimes it could be up to a year, right? It just depends on the dog, of course. So seeing if fostering is right for you and knowing that there's a a shorter commitment is really, really helpful and awesome as well. And then we also have weekend fosters. And this is a program for the dogs that aren't in fosters. You know, sometimes in rescue, and I know you guys know this, rescue moves fast. And, you know, while we want to say we're 100% foster-based, you know, there's dogs that that have trouble, you know, maybe finding a foster or we want to make sure that they're not in the shelter, but, you know, maybe they're aggressive or maybe they, you know, have some type of personality quirk that is a little bit more difficult to home. So we have about eight dogs that are at Heidi's Village, which is a beautiful, amazing facility. They have a behavioralist there. They get walks, walked by volunteers. They have a splash pad. I mean, it is like a dog sanctuary, to be honest. <laughs> they really, they really have such a fun time there and we get to learn about them. But unfortunately, a boarding facility and a home don't directly translate, right? So what we decided a couple of weeks ago is to start the weekend foster program. And this is for the dogs that maybe haven't been in a home. Maybe they were on the reservation. Maybe they were in shelters their entire life. Um, like Gordy, he was a shelter dog his entire life. He's a white pocket pity that's deaf that had a ton of allergies his entire life. Like this boy, you know, doesn't have enough problems, right? So we decided to, you know, take him on as a dog, but we put him through training. He went to multiple board and trains. He went to Heidi's village probably about six months ago. And, you know, because he's deaf, he's a little reactive. He gets excited because he doesn't know how else to exert his energy. He can't hear. So, you know, he does get a little excitable. So he has been at Heidi's Village for a while and we want, so desperately want to get him into a home. And that has been our goal. So, you know, doing a weekend foster for him would just be amazing to see, you know, maybe his personality is 100% different. Maybe he's not reactive. Maybe he loves other dogs. We have no idea. We just know what we see in this shelter situation, which he's been in his entire life. He's only two years old and he's never been in a home. So for us to test it out briefly would be so amazing for him to experience that and, you know, know that there's not a long-term commitment. And I think a lot of people feel, especially, you know, fostering someone like him, right? Where he does have a sad story and it will take a long time for him to find that perfect home you know, I think people get intimidated by that, that number of time that they don't know when he will get adopted. So having that weekend foster option is definitely beneficial for everybody. So 
both programs is something relatively new to the rescue that that we're we're trying to push to to find um, short term fosters. That's so exciting because it's like a little halfway house for for dogs that are like, let's ease you into this. We'll just do like a couple of days here and there. That's incredible, and especially like the idea of like you're almost like testing out compatibility with fosters maybe. And then it's like, you never know. Maybe someone who takes him for the weekend is like, no, I'm not giving him back. Like, oh, <laughs> that's the goal, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually, we do foster to adopt with pretty much all of our adults as well, which is pretty much the same thing. You know, we want to make sure that these dogs are a fit, right? Because we know not every dog is perfect for every home and not every home is perfect for every dog. So, you know, someone may think that, oh, wow, this dog sounds perfect, great fit, but then they go to adopt and they realize, wow, this is not my dog. Maybe let's try something else. And that's why we want to do foster to adopt, especially with older dogs that maybe have some quirks. So we allow them, you know, one or two weeks to get to know the dog and really feel like it's a good fit. And once they are ready to go, they can adopt. And it's honestly has been, it eases our mind because we're there every step of the way. And we know that they're going to a good home and, you know, we have that communication. And I think every time an older dog goes home without that foster to adopt option, like I'm worrying about them. I'm like, where are they? What are they doing? Are they happy? Like, I need to see photos. Like, can I go over to their house? So I feel like, like this foster to adopt option, knowing that they're a good fit and knowing that, you know, it's, they're compatible and that they're, you know, they have that love connection. It eases our mind, but I think it also eases everyone's mind to make sure that they're, they're going to the right home. Absolutely. I mean, I can totally see that from the adopter's perspective too. I feel like maybe like filling out that application would feels like really intense and like, what am I signing myself up for? So having that option of like, listen, this is just two weeks. And then if you want it to be forever, that's the option at the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really the goal. Definitely. So I'm wondering then, with such rave reviews of the other animal rescues in your area, I'm wondering how that felt starting the rescue in that environment. Because I feel like there is so much animosity in animal welfare in so many other places. And I can almost imagine like when you start off with that tone, it can feel like you're in this battle against everyone else and it's your dog. And it's, you know, if you start off on that foot, then it feels like then you just continue in this weird like fight mode. So I'm wondering, starting in like a more hospitable environment, how that's really helped the rescue. Absolutely. You know, we, well, I didn't, but you know, my mom is, is the owner of the rescue and Kristen were both on the board for the farm rescue. And, you know, while they were sad to lose them both, they knew that there's so many dogs in Arizona that need help. And there's so many dogs, you know, it's not a fight, right? And this is the way I see it. And I don't know about everyone else, but there's not a fight for dogs. There's not a fight for people. Plenty of people are moving to Arizona and plenty of people you know, there's so many dogs on the streets, right? So that's the way I see it. And maybe I'm just ignorant. I'm not sure. But when the two owners decided to branch out, you know, after being on the board of a different rescue, they realized, you know, 
hey, we love this rescue, but we want to create our own. We want to make sure that our values are being heard and our message was getting branched out. And, you know, there's so many rescues that have helped us, you know, throughout whether that's follow your heart, you know, has donated money. AZ Husky has, you know, we were, we're nervous about, you know, a litter of puppies and, you know, we are a new rescue. We don't have the fundings like these rescues that have been around for years and years and years. And I mean, we're so blessed and I think we're doing a great job, but we are not as big as some of these other rescues that have been around for decades, like follow your heart, like AZ Husky. And, and they have all, you know, helped us out on occasion. And we, we help out other rescues too. So I think starting off was great because they already, A, had the experience of working in the trenches of a rescue, but also having so many people to reach out to and help was, was truly amazing as well. But I really think their experience of being on the board of a rescue definitely allowed them to move fast which was was helpful for the rescue in the end. That's so important. And I love that ethos because that's something I think we come across. And I don't think, I think it's like a knee-jerk reaction. I think in a lot of ways where people are like, this is the right way and th- it's my way. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I think I love what you're saying. It's like, listen, there's room for different missions. There's room for different methods because there are a lot of animals that need help and there are a lot of people that need animals. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it makes me want to move to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I feel so great. It feels like there's a really good community of just really supportive people. And kind of like Bridget said, I know that in rescue, there there can be a lot of animosity and there can be a lot of competition. And for lack of a better word, there can be a lot of pettiness. I just, I love to hear of a community and a state that, is just very supportive of each other and you all work towards one mission. You know, we all, we all rise by lifting each other. So I, I, I honestly, I'm going to move down there. <laughs> We'd love to have you. you. Then. <laughs> I know. I think Arizona hired her to like bring people <laughs> right? into the state. Oh my gosh. Well, so, I mean, I think you're in such an interesting position. I mean, starting off and having this very clear path that, I mean, obviously other rescues have helped you um, kind of outline and objectives as well. I'm wondering as an organization, what is success to you guys? Um, Because I feel like it can be so many different things in animal rescue. And I'm wondering just what your interpretation of it would be. It's hard to say in rescue because you know, when is enough ever enough, right? And that's why success is such a hard word to use. I mean, I think (laughs) right in the end, backyard breeders are non-existent or at least not popular anymore, right? You know, dogs are being spayed and neutered regularly and that people are supporting each other and that, you know, people understand how important training and enrichment and exposure is for their dog, right? And this is what I, I call it. This is not something that is a term that's used, but I call it an Oso dog which is a restaurant that is popular here in Arizona. So nobody's going to understand this, but an Oso dog is basically a socialized dog. That's good with other dogs, good with other people, good in public, a chameleon basically. So having an Oso dog doesn't just happen naturally. It happens 
with a lot of work and people assume that you just show up and you're like, oh yeah, like I want the best dog ever. And I want a dog that's going to be social and great with other dogs, great with kids, great with cats. And you're like, okay, yeah, you want a puppy, but like, what work are you going to put in? How are you going to get to an Oso dog? And, you know, getting that message out there and, you know, people naturally understanding that training is not just for the aggressive or the, the anxiety prone dogs. It's for every single dog. Otherwise they, they can get to the dogs that are in the shelter. Right. So I think getting that message out there and having people understand how important training and exposure and enrichment is for every single dog, not just cattle dogs would be, you know, my success, right. Is success to me. I think that is, is what I'd really like to see. Because again, I think people just really think that training is for, is for the naughty ones, not for everyone. It's so funny you say that and not to like shoot down anyone on our team here, <laughs> but I, it in, instantly made me think. So we have this studio where we bring in um, different people and we do little videos and sometimes we bring in rescues and sometimes we use like people on our staff. And it's so funny because it's really given me the perspective to see. So there are like, obviously like our little puppies that are in our office and they're like just being loved and kind of spoiled and like maybe haven't gotten their training yet. And they're kind of, everyone's doing their best. But then I see these other dogs that have been in rescue and are like the personal pets of rescuers. They've been around hundreds of animals and they've had consistent training every single day. And I am like, wow, everyone should want this rescue dog. (laughs) Like, it's almost like you're, you're getting like this, like souped up with all the bells and whistles dog, which is funny. Cause I think the perspective of of a rescue is like, they're kind of like, they got a personality issue or there's something wrong with them or they've got one eye or something. And it's like, I think there's so many rescue dogs that are just like, leaps and bounds above like the typical dog that you see in a family home. I say, Bridge, are there any dogs you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Not going to name names. <laughs> no way. <laughs> One's probably mine, Sid. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. never, never. He's wild. Hey, I have a stubborn dog too. So <laughs> I, I talk a big game, but you know, she, she runs me. I don't run her. So I feel you. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's it's almost endearing kind of sometimes because you know, like, it's like the mom mentality where you're like, well, it's okay. I'll let you do this right now. <laughs> we don't have to stick with training right now. And it's, so anyhow, I, I know it's kind of like naughtiness, like that's been encouraged by love. So it's kind oh, of like- exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's what I feel too. And right, like, we all kind of work with our dogs in, in our own way. And we're like, oh, wow, they sit like. This is amazing. And, <laughs> and then you teach it's really it's hilarious because then you teach like a six-week-old puppy that is really run bike just to sit and you're like, oh, so every dog can do this in seconds. Cool, not just mine. Got it. Right. <laughs> it's not that special. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so this has been so wonderful. I I really and I know we're kind of segueing here. Do you have a uh, personal pets at home? I do. I have one personal pet. She's a, a Yorkie mix. My mom actually was at PetSmart while I was in California 
on a vacation. And she's like, hey, you're going to watch this dog for a month. The owner was crying, need to get on airplane in seconds and like can't board her because she's, you know, a baby. I was like, okay, sure. Fine. That's okay. So she ended up being the love of my life and the woman never came back. We reached out to her multiple times and she basically just, you know, wanted someplace to safe to give their dog, give her dog. And we were going to find a home for her. And I was like, yeah, no, she's not going anywhere. She's my little princess. We were both born on the same day and she's adorable. So she's my little stinker, but I love her so much. Every other dog, I'm like, oh my gosh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's enrich them. Let's train them. Let's with Melly. I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) It's fine that you were on the counter just now. I didn't see it. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, I feel that deep in my bones. (laughs) I mean, Sid, it's a little different having a Yorkie than a giant hound on your (laughs) Sydney's hound will she'll just walk in the kitchen and it'll just be on her He'll countertop be just standing like on my goat. countertop just sitting standing there just staring at me doesn't move doesn't get scared that like oh shoot I've been caught yeah <laughs> oh, Melly knows she's been caught the thing is she's so smart because she does everything behind my back and I know she's doing it because other people tell me and I'm like but i I don't see it. And then I'll come home one day and she's like laying on the counter sleeping. I'm like, Nelly. And she's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't doing it. <laughs> That's so weird too. Cause is that comfortable even? Like why? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it must be cold. I think it's. Oh, in the Arizona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it's like the forbidden fruit, you know, like uh, yeah, because a mom cool. doesn't like me doing this. It just feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's definitely a stubborn one, but she's, she's good. She listens. She's great. She's socialized. So let's, let's say that I'm a good, good rescue mom. Okay. (laughs) Well, so we have some kind of fun questions then. You kind of already told us what naughty things she's done. So we have to, we have to do something else. If she was president, what would be the first thing she did? Make sure every dog is spayed and neutered. She hates puppies. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I love the reasoning. (laughs) She hates puppies. She literally, like every time I bring home a a puppy to foster, she like looks at me like, mom, again, are you kidding me? And she like rolls her eyes and walks away. Okay. So that's like, I think the funniest thing I feel like I've learned on this podcast is that rescuers, like their pets are like oftentimes very annoyed at them for bringing strange dogs into their house. They hate it. They hate it. They're good with them. They're fine. Like they live, they survive, but they're like, why do you do this to me? Like we're good on our own. (laughs) Totally. It's like, now I have to share all my things. No, that's so funny. Is there like one habit or trick that she's trained you to do? Oh my gosh. My mom loves this. I am bell trained. (laughs) She uses her bells. She, and it's funny because when I first brought in the bell, I was still living with my parents and she brought in the bell or I brought out the bell and I rang it twice and opened the door twice. She got it immediately. And this is a Yorkie mix, by the way. She got it immediately. And it's funny because now she does this thing where if I do not come to the door fast enough, she rings the bell. She sits for about two seconds. 
She walks over to me. She then sits, makes this weird, like, <gasps> sound, walks back to the bell, rings it, sits, and it's like this constant, like, mo. And she doesn't even need to go to the bathroom half the time. It's just her wanting to be outside. So she just does this constantly. And I'm like, Nelly, like, you cannot be outside and then inside. Like, it doesn't work like that. So, me and she's dog door trained. She can use the dog door. She just <laughs> chooses not to. And it is, it's hilarious and also frustrating at the same time. And I recently saw a TikTok, which I just have to bring up. I saw a TikTok the other day about the dogs that press the buttons to say words. And he was like, no, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Do you want a demanding dog? Do you want an asshole? No. Okay, then don't do this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my dog. (laughs) I've definitely seen those where they're like out, walk, walk, and they just keep hitting the button. I'm like, oh yeah, my dogs would definitely, I would be their slave. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, I am. Melly, Melly is definitely the princess. It's ridiculous. Well, but the fact that she has a doggy door too, and she's like, I listen, I am a person. I deserve to use the door. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. That's so funny. She's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, so our last one's a little bit harder, but um, what is one life motto you live by? I guess it's just lead a life with empathy. I think especially being in rescue and you know, seeing a lot of sad things with dogs and people alike, you know, I think, I think we all get compassion fatigue and we experience a lot of, you know, maybe nasty people that want a dog yesterday or maybe owner surrenders. I think owner surrenders are probably one of the hardest things about rescue and you want to hate the person so badly. You want to just, just be like, no, you're a crappy person. You gave up your dog done. Right. But in the end, I think having empathy and understanding that their situation was hard and, you know, maybe this wasn't the best fit for a dog or maybe, you know, they are moving and they can't afford a home that allows them to keep their dog or whatever their story might be. I think leading with empathy is, is the most important thing to stay sane in rescue because, Rescue is hard. Rescue is exhausting. I mean, you could do nothing all day, but talk to people. And it's really, it is hard. But I think if you realize that these people are just doing their best and they're doing all that they can do, I think it allows you to stay sane more than, you know, if you just decide that all people are crappy. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. True. I feel like I got chills. Like true words have never been spoken. That's so important. Ugh. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I feel like this was so wonderful. And now I think we're all going to move to Arizona. <laughs> like hot You're quick. So welcome. <laughs> with all your pools and cactuses. And I know there's more <laughs> than that in Arizona. Hey, we have a lot of good bars too. So. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Really appreciate it. It was so wonderful speaking with Sydney. That was such a wonderful point about owner surrender. And we love that empathetic attitude that's really becoming more prevalent in rescue. It's incredible to see the power of positivity in animal welfare as well and how inevitably that can save more lives. 
you want to learn a little bit more about the love connection, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast. And be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly. That's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks, guys.